It's time for Blessed to Play on EWTN Radio, uncovering the role that faith plays in the lives of sports professionals from around the country. And now, here's your host, Ron Meyer. Fire score! My guest today, Miriam Diaz-Gilbert, picked a sport that most of us think of as not humanly possible. She's an ultra runner, having completed distances in excess of 100 miles in one ultra marathon. She's also the author of the book, Come What May, I Want to Run. It's a memoir of the saving grace of ultra running in overwhelming times. And joining us today is the author of the book, Miriam Diaz-Gilbert. Miriam, so good to have you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Ron. I really appreciate it. Now, most people who listen to this show know what a marathon is, but when I put ultra there, they're saying, like, what? What what is this all about? So tell us what an ultra marathon consists of. Well, an ultra marathon is any distance beyond the standard 26.2-mile marathon. Uh, The shortest ultra marathon is uh, 50K, which 50 kilometers, which is uh, 31 miles. And then there's the 50 miler and a hundred K, which is 62 miles and then hundred mile races and beyond 200 mile races. There are also timed races like a 12 hour, uh, 24 hour, 48 hour and beyond. And those would be multi-day races. And I've done them all. Now, by your own description, admission, you were an average athlete, so you didn't get much playing time. I assume you meant in in, uh, grammar school or high school sports. And you became a runner. You started at the basic distances. You did a 5K, right? And then you did a half marathon and a marathon. So why did you go the ultra route? Oh, yeah. I was an average uh, athlete, Uh, not very fast. I lumbered a lot. I was always tall and, you know, lanky. And um, I went the ultra route after many years of running shorter distances, like 5Ks and half marathons and marathons. And uh, it was a time in my life where I was having some difficulty uh, in the workplace. And uh, it just so happens that at that time, I watched an episode of, uh, or a segment of, um, on 60 Minutes, where Leslie Stahl was interviewing Dean Carnassus and Pam Reed, world-class ultramarathoners, and I didn't know who they were or um, what an ultramarathon was, and I was so intrigued and I, amazed by the distance, and uh, I decided I need a new challenge in my life, and it all started uh, back in 2005 when I ran my first 50-miler, the JFK 50 in um, Maryland. Now, Miriam, these, I, I know the physical fitness component of running, and it's uh, obviously you're in great shape, but this is much more than just the physical component of uh, doing races. It, it's more has been a, a, a mental source of freedom for you just to express yourself during these races. But you really went through a lot of pain in various aspects of your life, dealing with uh, sickness, depression, um, we'll get into your husband dealing with cancer as well, but was this a, just an outlet for you to express yourself and to deal with all this suffering in your life? Um, that's a very good question. Um, yeah, um, 
you know, I always enjoyed running. And up to uh, the marathon, you know, I was uh, doing pretty well. And um, it was when I was experiencing um, workplace mistreatment as an academic Mm -hmm. that I um, found that running um, would kept me, you know, strong and kept, it was my outlet, uh, it was my therapy, let's call it what it is. Mm -hmm. It was a very natural therapy. You know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. And um, for me, uh, running has always been a time and a conversation with God. So that was my refuge, was to run those miles to help me heal through whatever adversity I was facing at the time, whatever hardship I was facing at the time. And it kept me physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally uh, well. And so I can't imagine my life without running. And ultra running, to me, is such a gift, the gift that God has given me to run and to be in his company for miles and miles. And uh, it's a very prayerful experience and a very spiritual experience. Yeah, we're going to talk about more of that in the second half of the show. Blessed to play Ron Meyer, joined today by Miriam Diaz-Gilbert. She's an ultra runner. She's also the author of the book, Come What May I Want to Run. Now, you were kind of put on the uh, bench, so to speak, from running. I think you were dealing with a B12 deficiency. So for a period of time, you could not run. How was that for you when you didn't have this expression in your life of running? Um, well, it what was very interesting about, I didn't know that I was B12 deficient. And I, I uh, ran, uh, I had a 70-mile race, and I did not do well in that race. I, the first cutoff was at mile 19.3, and I missed the cutoff by, by 10 minutes. And something was not right with my body. I was having problems, uh, you know, catching my breath, which was unlike me. It was a very treacherous trail. It was all uphill, climbing boulders and crawling my way up. And But I didn't give up, and I set my sights on another race a couple months later, and I had to drop at, like, mile 56. It was a mountain ultra, and I had twitching and uh, spasms in my my hands and my feet, and um, I had a DNF, which means did not finish uh, my second one, which was unlike me, two back-to-back DNFs, and then I found myself really not being able to walk normally, not being able to run at all, and, um, but I kept moving, Ron, Um, I kept walking because I got relief somewhat from walking, and it was then in September of uh, 2009 that I was finally properly diagnosed. And uh, I was diagnosed with myelopathy of the spinal cord as a result of severe B12 deficiency. My body does not make enough natural B12 to create myelin sheath around my spinal cord. And that was the cause of the tingling, the numbness, uh, the severe spasms, the twitching. Uh, and uh, it was just a terrible time in my life, but I always had my legs. I always had movement, and once I was properly diagnosed and treated with B12 
injection for life. I started to run again, and it was after that in September, and the following April, I ran my first 100-miler. I got my running legs back. I had an excellent neurologist. Yeah, that's amazing. And also, you know, we we talked about the B12 deficiency, but you had a medical and surgical nightmare, and then you were dealing with your husband, John, being diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer, and you you ran ultramarathons for him as well as for the healing, you know, to deal with that. Um, You're going through a lot of pain when you're in an ultra, and I know you talk about candidly in the book, some of the stuff that happens to your toenails, your feet, and so on and so forth. It's, uh, you know, it's it's not a, a pretty thing. Let's put it that way. But do you think your suffering that you have to embrace in life helps you to deal with the suffering on the running course? Um, yeah, you know, uh, from suffering comes strength, you know, and uh, that's what ultra running is. You, you sign up for self-imposed suffering, but you embrace it. You're out of your comfort zone. And so if I lose a few two nails, you know, that's par, toenails, that's par, par for the course. Um, and um, it's, you know, it's something that I do. Uh, my family supports me. Uh, my husband still can't believe I run all those distances. Um, but yeah, um, uh, what was the question again, Ron? I lost my train of thought. Yeah, so the suffering that you embraced in life, does it help you when you're on the ultra course going through all that suffering? Oh, yeah. If I can endure and survive that, I can uh, endure and survive what's going on on the ultra running course. But at the same time, I also think that all my years of running and all my years of ultra running have prepared me to face the adversity and the challenges mm. that life has presented me with. Blessed to play Ron Meyer, once again joined by Miriam Diaz-Gilbert. She's the author of the book, Come What May, I Want to Run. She's an ultra runner. She was also a cancer caregiver to her husband, John. And I'm thinking when you're going through all this in life, it, it taxes you emotionally and it taxes you physically. Where did you draw strength from to do what is an insurmountable feat in the eyes of many, running these ultra uh, races in light of what you're going through in life? Yeah, I I would have to say I get my strength no matter what adversity, you know, whatever curveball is throwing at me. I get my strength from my deep, unwavering faith. The key to everything in life for me, good or bad, and how to endure them and how to overcome them and how to celebrate them is my faith. I, I have strong uh, faith. I have a strong relationship with God. God is everything to me. God is present with me at all times. God is present with me at all races. God was present with me when I was having my difficult time uh, throughout life as an adult and God was with me, guiding me as my husband's cancer caregiver. So it's my faith, my prayers, um, and just I get a lot of strength from the saints. I have the saints uh, that uh, give me the strength, and I also get strength from family and friends who have endured suffering uh, almost always uh, with cancer and who have passed on. And if they can overcome 
you know, if they can endure the suffering that comes with cancer, for example, you know, anything else that I may face in life is nothing in comparison. So uh, my faith, Ron, is everything. Uh, without my faith, I don't think I could do what I do, honestly. And I'm not able to do what I do in ultra running without God. Uh, it's not possible, Ron, without God. Well, I want to pick up that theme when we come back, uh, faith, which is uh, obviously a strong part of your life in dealing uh, not only with the adversity of life, but the hope within you. And we're going to tap into that hope when Blessed to Play returns with Miriam Diaz-Gilbert. She's the author of the book, Come What May, I Want to Run. Don't go away. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Every couple makes decisions differently. Sometimes the person with the stronger personality makes the decision, or the person who cares the most makes the decision, or the person who feels they have the right to make the decision makes the decision. There is a problem with this. In all of these situations, one spouse can sit on the sidelines, wash their hands of the results, or feel free to second guess and criticize the other. These are not examples of life-giving decision-making. Joint decision means just that, deciding jointly after discussion, prayer, or simple agreement. But the most important part is that you agree as a couple to share the responsibility for that decision because mutual decision means mutual responsibility. When you both agree to bear the responsibility for the decision, both of you assume the risk. That is the type of unity that Christ challenges married couples to strive for. To listen to our podcast on parenting as a team, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. No one does Catholic Radio. Divine Intimacy Radio. Open Line Friday. Register Radio. Like EWTN. Welcome back to Blessed to Play. Ron Meyer joined today by Miriam Diaz-Gilbert. She's the author of the book, Come What May, I Want to Run. And she's an ultra runner and running in excess of 100 miles in one race. In fact, she has a 48-hour race coming up, uh, which will probably run over 100 miles doing that as well. But she's an inspiring woman uh, filled with gratitude, filled with faith, has gone through a lot of suffering, not only her, but also in her family as well. Her uh, husband, John, is a, uh, a cancer survivor and dealt with uh, stage four cancer. But Miriam, we, we talked about this, uh, the first half of this show towards the, before we went to the break about your faith life. And you talked about the saints, but also the desert fathers and the desert mothers. And this, there's a connection between Christian asceticism and modern day ultra running for you. Maybe you could expound on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the more I studied, um, uh, early uh, Christian ascetics like uh, St. Anthony and others, uh, the more I started to see a connection between early uh, Christian asceticism, Desert Fathers, and modern-day ultra-running, uh, we share a few things in common. We are disciplined. We, uh, you know, um, we don't renounce... Well, the Desert Fathers were renounced 
the world, their family, and their friends. Ultra runners do not do that. We need our family and our friends to help us uh, pace us and to crew us at events. But they uh, were in search of God, and they went out into the desert uh, to leave the world behind. And in ultra running, uh, ultra runners also leave the world behind, if only for the duration of that event, whether it's a 100-mile race or a six-day race. Um, and we are willing to, at least for me, I'm willing, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a connection to God. Uh, the Desert Fathers were in search of God. And um, we also have some kind of, um, I would say, eating habits. While we don't fast, ultra runners don't fast, uh, of course, the Desert Fathers fasted and they devoted their lives to prayer and uh, to, they also uh, endure, you know, a starvation, all in search of God. I wouldn't say that ultra runners do that. Uh, we do need to keep up our calories while we're running. But um, we also enjoy solitude. And so I saw a connection between ultra runners willing to subject their bodies to suffering, as did the early Christian ascetics who also, um, you know, um, had their bodies uh, suffer. They were willing to have their bodies suffer uh, in search of God. Yeah, so these Desert Fathers... uh you know, this obvious all to unite their sufferings with Christ and to uh, really denounce themselves, but they, they suffered the thirst, hunger, sleep deprivation, a beaten body, like you mentioned, a fatigued mind, a diminished cognitive functioning, along with the ability to practice endurance, perseverance, and defy limits. And, and this is what you're doing uh, to a certain extent when you're going on these 100-mile runs, uh, Maybe you could talk about what you physically and mentally go through as you're getting into the depths of this run. Well, you know, one of the other things that Desert uh, uh, Fathers and uh, early Christian uh, ascetics and modern jail trainings have in common is that sometimes we hallucinate. And I had my first hallucination experience in 2018 at the end of the Wildcat 100-mile ultra. Uh, not only was I sleep-deprived like the Desert Fathers, not only was I had lost cognitive functioning, slurring my speech, um, but at the end of the race, when John got me some food to eat, I refused to eat because I saw people in my food. I saw a mother, a father, and a child, a boy, and I cried to John, I can't eat this, there are people in my food, can't you see them? And he said, what are you talking about? There are no people in your food. And I said, yes, there are people in my food, I'm not going to eat this. He said, that's not people, those are not people, those are pieces of grilled chicken, <laughs> and I refuse to eat. So hallucinations are not uncommon in um, ultra running, uh, and just what the body endures, there's a lot of suffering, there's you know, the body is broken uh, physically, and uh, but you know what's never broken, Ron? Mm -hmm. Your spirituality. Mm -hmm. I, my spirit is still strong, and that's what keeps me going. Plus to play Ron Meyer chatting with Miriam Diaz-Gilbert, author of the book, Come What May, I Want to Run, also an ultra runner. We're talking about our spiritual life now 
and also her running life and how they're integrated together. And Miriam, you've heard this saying before, no cross, no crown, and that applies to the spiritual life. But also for you to just to finish a race, you have to go through this immense type of suffering. At the end of the race, what are you feeling? I mean, are you just so tired to feel any emotion or what is when you when you're at the end, go to the finish line, what is the emotion that comes over you? <laughs> when I'm at, at the end of the race, honestly, I'm plotting my next ultra. <laughs> what I'm going to sign up for every single time. I already have one in mind, but I'm 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 there is this uh level of elation in joy run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you feel like, oh, this is a wonderful feeling, and you're surrounded by fellow ultra runners, and the ultra running community is extremely supportive, the volunteers, the race directors, uh, and I just feel great. And yes, I feel, sometimes uh, I immediately crave vanilla ice cream. I just want vanilla <laughs> ice cream, you know? I want vanilla ice cream, and I then come home. My last what ultra last year, uh, 40, uh, it was, I ran the 24 hour Hainsport ultra this coming weekend. I'm running a 48 hour event, but I came home and I immediately went to bed with my clothes on dirty, sweaty, dingy, exhausted. And I slept for like four hours and I got up, took my shower. John had food prepared for me and I was ready to go. And the next day I go out for a recovery walk. Wow. I mean, it's not hard. It's not hard, Ron. Yeah, I mean, uh, not enough energy even to get into the ice bath. But it, that's you know, there's something that is God given with us because I, uh, you know, I'm not a runner. I've ran half marathons, and I could tell you, at the end of a half marathon, I'm just, I'm done. Let's put it that way. And you're running these crazy miles. You're in a really unique breed of people who could do this. I don't think everyone could do it. I don't think it's just a mental thing. I mean, you have to have a physical component to this that you're geared for this. Um, what is the ultra runner uh, community like? <laughs> what are these people like? Do you bond very closely? Yeah, oh, very much so. We support each other on the course. We encourage each other on the course. Uh, depending on the event, when you're on a trail ultra, you spend a lot of time alone. You know, there are some runners that are way ahead of uh-huh. you and some that are way behind you. Um and but on uh, if you're running a track ultra, which I love, I love running 24 hours on a 400 meter track. Uh, you're never alone. There's no chance of you, you know, tumbling over tree roots and rocks, or running through, you know, a creek or a river mm-hmm. to get to the other side. And the track is always well lit overnight, and um, it's just a wonderful way to support each other. And we take nap breaks. You know, you can nap. Uh, I'll be taking a few naps at the 48-hour. And, you know, you have to keep your calories up. But we do support each other. And everyone has a story. There's a reason why we're ultra runners. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a unique story. Everyone has a story of overcoming a challenge, you know, a health scare. I've I've met runners who, women who have survived breast cancer. I, I know a runner who is running with cancer. You know, but it doesn't stop us. It keeps us going. And sometimes we will discuss our faith. uh, And I run into other Catholics and we have nice conversations. And other people, uh, they have other faiths, whether they're Hindu or Sikh or Jewish, or it doesn't matter what faith. And we just 
share the spiritual experience. <clears throat> and contrary to, all the, so, to some beliefs, ultra runners are not masochistic or sadistic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or narcissistic. Um, it's just, I don't know, I think it, it's a gift. Um, and um, I'm just, uh, every day I'm grateful and I'm so blessed that God gave me legs to use through running. And there's something free about what you do because you're running in the, on the trails of America where there's not a lot of noise and it's, it's you, it's, it's, your, it's God. Um, it's reflecting on life, reflecting on who you are as a person. And you're doing something athletic to express that. And uh, that's inspiring. And, um, you know, I, when I read this book, I, I was just, I know what you do is incredible with the mileage, but what the human spirit can do when it's passionate about something and um, and they, you're not only putting your mind to it, but you're putting the grace of God into it as well to uh, to achieve your goals and aspirations. And that's what you're doing by running these ultra marathons. Well, yeah, and running also has a, a, a different purpose. Uh, now, uh, for the last few years, I ran ultras, not for me, but of course for my own health, but also healing miles for John, mm-hmm. who was enduring, you know, stage four cancer twice. Um, so, yeah, so uh, it's just, I can't imagine my life and, without running, and I'm grateful to God every day for the gift of running. Well, I was inspired, and I encourage all our listeners, if you want some inspiration in your life through athletics, um, go get this book, Come What May I Want to Run. It's written by, obviously, our guest today, Miriam Diaz-Gilbert, and you could purchase a copy by going to Miriam's website, www.miriamdiazgilbert.com. That's M-I-R-I-A-M-D-I-A-Z-G-I-L-B-E-R-T.com. Miriam, thanks so much. It's uh, really been a joy to talk with you and what is an incredible feat athletically, but also spiritually in the suffering that you've gone through, which led to great perseverance in life and also on the running course as well. And uh, I want to wish you the Best of luck. Uh, I know you're going to finish this 48-hour ultra coming up. Uh, I know you'll uh, do well in the race. Uh, But thanks for sharing your journey with us today on Blessed to Play. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate you, Ron. Blessed to Play fans, check us out on the web at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessedthenumber2play.com. You can like us on Facebook and hit us up on the platform X at Blessed to Play for Miriam Diaz-Gilbert. I'm Ron Meyer. We'll catch you next time right here on Blessed to Play. You've been listening to Blessed to Play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at info at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. Again, that's blessed, the number two, play.com. Join us again next time for Blessed to Play on the EWTN Global Catholic Network.